That's why I do this without, uh, without tickling. Okay, we want to talk a bit about the Holy Spirit this morning. Is that loud enough? <laughs> yeah. And usually... Um, oh, sorry. Is that me, John? Okay. Oh, it's a bit little. That. Usually when we, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the first thing that comes to mind is the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm sure you've all heard people speak about the, the gifts of the Spirit, but we're not going to talk about that this morning. Uh, having said that, <laughs> here's the scripture. Um, there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. This is from the Amplified Version. But it's the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. There are distinctive varieties of ministries and service, but it's the same Lord who is served. There are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things, but it's the same God who produces all things in all believers, inspiring, energising, and empowering them. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination, enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. So this is what we hold inside. This is the Holy Spirit. And he's given everybody grace and the extraordinary power operating in all of us. So we've all got, if we've been saved, we've all got this extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit that's living in us and operating in us. And he wants to operate in us. He wants us to set him free to be able to operate in us. And there's distinctive varieties, ministries and service. So we've all got a variety of ministry, some form of ministry, some empowerment of the Holy Spirit, some service that the Lord wants us to do, that he's empowering us to do. And he's put that in us. And if you don't know what that is, then you probably need to find out what God has called you to, what you're here on planet Earth to do that God has distinctively called you to do. And there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things. We can do all sorts of things in the kingdom of God and think that we're serving, serving God. But really, it's just like a good idea. This sounds like something good to do. This will help the community or whatever. But it's, it has to be coming from the Holy Spirit. This distinctive way of accomplishing things. Because he wants to fill you. He wants to accomplish what he wants to do in the world through you. And he wants you. And you've got that distinctive way of working to accomplish things. But it's God that accomplishes it. It's not us working hard. It's God that's accomplishing it. And he's producing all things in all believers. So we've all got that. And as long as we're on planet Earth, we've got this same God producing things in every one of us. He's inspiring us, he's energising us, 
and he's empowering us. Each one of us have got those things inside of us. We have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We've got the energising of the Holy Spirit and we've got the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We've got that just because we've got Holy Spirit. It's not us, it's not us trying hard. It's that inspiring, energising empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. We've all got the manifestation of the Spirit. A spiritual illumination, the enabling of the Holy Spirit, and it's for the common good. So, each one, every one of us is given that manifestation of the Spirit. There's a dictionary definition of a manifestation. It's a public display of emotion or feeling, something theoretical made real. Manifestation's origins are in religion and spirituality because if something becomes real, it's said to, become, to be a manifestation. And the word usage is spread to include all aspects of life. It's an indication of the existence, the reality, or presence of something. For example, it gives a high fever is an early manifestation of the disease. So what a manifestation is, is a public display. It's meant to be public. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and you have, it's meant to be public. It's not meant to be kept for yourself, it's not so that you can just enjoy the wonderful sense of the presence of God yourself. It's to be made manifest. It's a public display. And it's a public display of emotion, feeling. And very often in the church, we're discouraged from emotions. We're discouraged from feeling. It's like there's the fact that God is with me. I don't have to feel it. I just have to know that he is with me. But how many of you know that God is an emotional God? When Jesus was on earth, he, he felt peace, he felt anger, he, he, was, he was tired, he felt joy, he rejoiced. All the emotions that we have, Jesus had them in abundance and he wasn't ashamed to show his feelings. He was an emotional Jesus because God is emotional and feelings how I, I don't understand why there's such a, an objection to feelings in in christian life it's kind of how many of you would want to go into a marriage and think yes i'll marry you darling but don't expect me to have any feelings for you it's it's ludicrous and yet somehow in the, in the christian life we're not meant we're supposed to Keep your feelings down. Don't show your feelings. And yet, you know, as, as God is an emotional God, he's a feeling God. Mm -hmm. He feels love. He feels passion towards us. And, and he wants us to have those same feelings. In fact, he wants us to have feelings on steroids. And sometimes, uh, like me, our feelings run away with us. We get uh, our feelings kind of control us. Our emotions control us. But our sanctified feelings and our sanctified um, 
emotions are absolutely something that God wants to use. He wants us to feel the whole gamut of emotions that he's feeling. When he's feeling angry about sin, he wants you to join him in feeling anger about that sin and actually so much anger that you'll do something about it. When he feels compassion, he wants to share his compassion with you so that you'll be compassionate and show that compassion to other people. He wants that. And it's it's an indication, a manifestation, an indication of the existence, the reality, or the presence of something. Otherwise, it said, until, what did it say about a theory? There was the something theoretical made real. Us in the, in the West, when we, when we think we know something, it's because we've watched a film about it. We know about the, the Arctic because we've watched David Attenborough. So we know all there is about the Arctic. We know all there is about, about wild animals because we, we watch children about it. We know about global warming because we watch what the news tells about us. And, of course, the BBC never lies, so we know all about that. It's not no longer... A theory to us but if it's not made public it's just a theory it's a theory made manifest and the Holy Spirit isn't a theory we can't just have the Holy Spirit that isn't made public so others can see it so it might as well just be a theory the Hebrews understanding of um, knowing something is that you have to experience it. There's a, there's a saying, it's like, uh, co- uh, coffee doesn't grow in a cold climate, therefore coffee doesn't grow in England, right? Right. You say that to somebody in the West, that, yeah, that's right. You say that to somebody, in, in uh, a Hebrew person, coffee can't grow in a cold climate, therefore coffee can't grow in England. Is that right? And they say, I don't know, I've never been to England. Because you have to experience it, to know it. It's not just that, okay, that's the logic. No, I've not experienced it, therefore I don't know if that's true. And that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. It has, it has to be experienced. It's got to be something that's real, something that's in our everyday life, someone that operates daily, that we see him all the time. And the manifestation of the Spirit are given to each one, to everyone, for the profit of all. So what's, what's in you is to profit me. What's in me is to profit you. What's in you. Not only that, it's for the profit of all, not just the church. What if, what if the Holy Spirit began to move in you when you were at work, when you were sitting at your desk, what if the Holy Spirit began in the in a shop? When you what if you could actually stir that up? What happens if I've started walking? To, uh, uh, I'm on holiday now, but I uh, go to Wolverhampton Art Gallery every week. And as I walk through Wolverhampton, things just started really disturbing my spirit, especially during the month of June where oh i'm going to details but it absolutely it was 
absolutely abhorrent to my spirit as I walked through Wolverhampton and saw what they're doing in Wolverhampton that's absolutely demonic and bringing Wolverhampton under this whole uh, banner of, of demonically inspired stuff. There's nothing else that I can, I can call it. And, as, and then the Lord started moving on me. But instead of just being under the banner of what, what's happening in Wolverhampton, what if you started just praying in tongues, walking through Wolverhampton? What happens if you start praying for Wolverhampton and seeing this horrible, what to me is a horrible city, become full of the presence of God? What if we do that in Womburn? As we've moved here, this is our, our new home. We need the presence of God in Womburn, not just here where we meet, but in out there. Out there. That's what it's for, the manifestation to everybody, each one. Uh, uh, some time ago, I was walking through, through Mary Hill, and you know how it is, there's like a walkway and there's like stalls and um, stairs and things in between. There's another walkway this side. And I was just walking just shopping and doing my own thing. And the cleaner walked in the opposite direction on the other, the other side, the other footway. And she stopped and looked at me, and I stopped and looked at her. And I didn't know who she was, she doesn't know me. And, and, and as she looked, it was as if she was kind of beckoning me to, to go over to her. So I, I went over to her and I said, are you all right? And she said, yes, and just stood there. And so I said, do you want me to pray for you? And she said, yes. So I just prayed for her. There and then, it was just totally bizarre. And then she carried on walking and I carried on walking. But there's something that the Holy Spirit does within you and you might not know what it's about, but that the Holy Spirit's calling you just to be obedient and walk in that because he's got to be in us and he's got to be pouring out from us. He has to be experienced and he has to be pouring out from us as well as in us and on us is got to be pouring out from us. It's for the common good. And this is what uh, the Gospel of John says, he who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in, and relies on me, as the scriptures said, from his innermost being, will flow continually rivers of living water. And he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him as saviour, were to receive afterward. The Spirit hadn't yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified, raised to honour. The Holy Spirit has to be in us, flowing from us. Continual, a continual flow, a continual river. And as we were hearing this morning, if there are things like fear and, and other things of the enemy that doesn't bring life, it can block up that flow of the Holy Spirit so we're not, we're not free, we're not enjoying the, the presence, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's to be ours continually pouring out of us. So anything, anywhere where you feel uh, a bit spiritually dead, even when you like wake up in the morning, do a, a quick check of how you're feeling, how you, how, what your heart's doing, if you're feeling full of the Holy Spirit, if you feel your connection with God is, is brilliant, that's what you're looking for. If it's not, then you go back and find out what it, why it isn't and, 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 and get filled again. Don't let anything 
stop the presence of God in your life. Don't let anything affect that flow of the Spirit. Keep mm. short accounts of it and go to God daily or more often if you need to. Mm. The Holy Spirit's usually referred to as the third person of the Trinity. And that kind of gives us this impression that he's like third in line. You know, you've got yeah. Father God that's up there. You've got, you've got Jesus because we, we relate to him. We don't relate so easily to Father God. He, he's up there, he's powerful, he's mighty, he's on his throne. Jesus we relate to a lot too because he became, he became a man and he's our saviour and we relate to him. And the Holy Spirit, well, he's a bit wafty and ethereal and we don't really, you know, we don't know much about him is a bit scary as well sometimes but the holy spirit the father and the son they're one they're equal they're undivided there's not a hierarchy in fact if you want to know jesus if you want to know father god you need to know the holy spirit because it's the holy spirit who re reveals jesus to us he reveals father god to us it's the Holy Spirit that's the one that's living inside of me. So it makes a lot of sense to actually know the person that's living inside of you to get to know him. And when we, when we do sozos, we often ask people, who do you relate to most uh, uh, from the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit? And people will usually say Jesus or they will say the Father. They don't often say Holy Spirit. And yet Holy Spirit is the one living inside of us, the one who... Jenny's network growing, disconnected. <laughs> oh, don't be disconnected. <laughs> but getting to, know, so getting to know the Holy Spirit is, is transforming. And over the last couple of years, I've, I've been on that journey, I hate that phrase, but to get to know the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit becoming more real in my life, in my life, and knowing, getting to know more what he's like about what it feels like to have him living in me, what it feels like when he's moving, what it feels like when, he's, when I've grieved him, when I've hurt him, all those things that the Holy Spirit does within us. It's only logical to learn to know what the Holy Spirit's like, who lives inside of us and what he wants to do. Andrew Murray, my favorite author, um, wrote this, the clearest illustration of the joy of being filled with the Spirit is seen in the wonderful change that Pentecost brought to the lives of the disciples. It's one of the most wonderful object lessons in all of Scripture. The Twelve, under Christ's training for three years, yet remaining apparently at some distance from the life they were meant to live. And then, all at once, by the blessed incoming of the Holy Spirit, being made just what God wanted them to be. It was the Holy Spirit inside them that transformed them from the cowering fear, fear again, as we've been hearing a lot about this morning, the cowering fear-filled group in the upper room to those who turned the world upside down, immediately going outside and confronting those who had called for Jesus to be crucified and calling them to repentance. And that's the transformation Holy Spirit wants to do in us. That's what he wants. Like, like he's saying, three years they had been in the presence of Jesus. They'd slept with him, they walked with him, they saw the miracles. He actually sent them out to do the miracles. And yet it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came 
at Pentecost and transform them, that suddenly it wasn't a, a development even over the three years, it was when the Holy Spirit came upon them that they were transformed into what God wanted them to be. Yeah. And that's quite, I find that quite shocking, that you can, you can be with Jesus, you can be with him, spend time with him, enjoy his presence, but it's only when the Holy Spirit comes upon us that we are transformed to be like him, to trans being transformed into his likeness and going out and doing the works that Jesus did. Because some people think that the Holy Spirit only shows up at Pentecost, that he's kind of not really doing much, hanging around until Pentecost, and then he kind of bursts in on the scene. But that was <laughs> that's far from the truth. He was active right from the beginning. We see him all through the Bible. It, here we see. Uh, in Genesis, the spirit hovering over the waters and God spoke the creation into being. This is from the Psalms. You send out your spirit, they are created. You renew the face of the ground. So <laughs> it's not, yeah, God, God did that at creation. He, he created everything. But it was by the Holy Spirit, God the Father spoke, the Holy Spirit hovers ho over, the, ho over the creation. He hovers over the waters and the creation came to life. It was the Holy Spirit that was created by the Spirit. They were created. And we, see, we need that Holy Spirit to hover over us. It's him that brings creation. And we need the Holy Spirit to hover over us to bring uh, bring renewal again to recreate us again and again because to me it's a it's a daily if not an hourly thing to develop an awareness of him living inside me doing what he wants to do moving me activating me so pray holy spirit holy spirit bruvo bruvo brood over us again, bring new life to us again and again. In, that, in the Old Testament, he would rest on people. He rested on judges. He rested on prophets. He rested on kings. And then there came a king. In, in King David, and he seemed something different about King David. They've got all this holy temple with holy services, with priests and Levites that performed these services and only they could go in to the presence of God. And it was all organised. All the sacrifices were organised. And then along comes David. And because of David's hunger for the presence of God, it seems as if God did something that was like a foretaste of, of the New Testament outpouring of the Spirit of God. And something changed in David and he says, take not your Holy Spirit from me, which kind of intimates that it was, he was there all the time. The Holy Spirit was there all the time. He set up a tent outside. It wasn't, wasn't, the, wasn't the temple. He set up a tent 
where he could go, where worship happened all the time, where he would go and he could worship in the presence of God because of his hunger, because of his desire for God. God did something in David that was a precursor, if you like, to the New Testament and the outpouring because, because he wanted it, because he desired the presence of God and that's because what God wanted. And that's, that's what he wanted. If, if, if an Old Testament guy, when that covenant wasn't in place, could desire the presence of the Holy Spirit that much, and God would do it, and God, he would even set up a whole different form of worship so that he could just go into the presence of God, then what, what, what could he do for us, you know, in a, in a new covenant where access to the presence of God is undiminished, there's no barrier, and our understanding if you like, of God, is that we can come and be in his presence any time that he wants. The Holy Spirit's been poured out into us and we can, we can have that relationship. We can have whatever happened in Acts 2 belongs to us. So why are we experiencing that? At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit came and rested on him and he remained there's a constant promise throughout scripture that one day God would put his spirit on everybody. That famous Joel 2 prophecy. It shall come to pass after this that I'll pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on male and female servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show signs and wonders, displaying my power in the heavens and on the earth. Blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And it shall come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. These are all manifestations of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> signs on the earth, signs in the heavens on all people, sons and daughters prophesying. We all have the ability to prophesy. We all have the ability to dream dreams. We all have abilities to see visions. So if we are not, why are we, aren't we? The promise is that he will show signs and wonders displaying his power in the earth and in the heavens. So who are the ones that are going to be displaying his power on the earth? This is prophecy from other prophets in the Old Testament as well as Joel that spoke, spoke about the Holy Spirit coming. A shoot, the Messiah will spring from the stock of Jesse from David, that's David's father, and a branch from his, fruit, his roots will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength or, or might, the spirit of knowledge and of the reverential and obedient fear 
of the Lord. These are the seven spirits of God that rested on Jesus. And because we're in him and he is in us and we have his Holy Spirit, those aspects of the spirit can rest upon us. The spirit of wisdom. How could you apply that in your life? The spirit of wisdom resting on you. What about, okay, we can do it in like a spiritual sense. What does this scripture mean? What does it, yeah, what, what's God saying to me in this? But what about, we've got this, this division, haven't we, in life. This is, this is my spiritual life. And over here, this is what I do with the rest of my life. And there's this divide. What if God wanted to bring his wisdom into your everyday life? What if God has wisdom for where the world is today? What if there's a spirit of wisdom so governments know how to rule? What if all we see in the world what if that's happening because God wants us as his people to bring his wisdom into the world to take back <laughs> the kingdom of God in this world? Wouldn't that be something? What if it was just something like in your everyday life? Do I take this job? Do I take this opportunity? Or even things like is this a scam I'm seeing on my phone? Is somebody trying to, to lead me astray with this? Am I on the right path? What about his wisdom for things like that? I'm way off my notes now. <laughs> Spirit of understanding. What are the things that you need to understand? I don't understand. Is this really, is global warming really happening? Or is that a... Is that a conspiracy theory, as we were talking about before? What's the understanding of that? What's God saying mm. to me about what's happening in the world today? What about how, how do I understand how somebody is living in, uh, who, who's caught up in the whole LGBT thing? How do I understand that? How do I bring God's solution mm. into their life? Yeah. The Spirit will rest upon us for those things. Spirit of counsel and strength. How, again, you know, in that situation, how can I counsel somebody? People that, you know, I walk into every day, someone who's going through some struggle. How can I counsel them? What is God saying? What is the Holy Spirit saying? What does he want to say to me that I can feed into that person's life? I've got a, I've got a friend, and, and some time ago I wrote this book. She's not a Christian, I meet her, I meet her every week at my, my art group. And I wrote this book and I gave it to her. It was about, it's about the, uh, um, the Proverbs 31 woman. And then, I, recently I wrote a children's book, um, and it's about, it's like an album <coughs> about the Holy Spirit, and learning to <coughs> move with the Holy Spirit. 
and she wanted a copy of that, so I gave it to her. And she said, I've got so many questions. Will you, you know, can we go out to lunch and we'll talk about it? And we were there nearly five hours um, talking. Just, she was just asking me questions about the Holy Spirit. And she started just telling me about, about her life, things that had happened to her, things that had really put her off uh, being a Christian. And as we, as we just sat there, you just feel the, you know, the, the love of God, the Spirit of God moving just, just in her life. And she's changed. She starts talking. She said the other day, she said, I just said, she was having a barbecue, and she just said, oh, thank God for this lovely day. And it started, out, started a discussion in her family about, you know, what are you talking about, Mom? They said, you know, God providing a lovely day. And she, she now, she's now witnessing to, to her family about, about, about God. And I'm not even sure if she's saved or not yet. It's amazing. But this is like what the, what the Holy Spirit will do, what he will give us about, about strength or about might. It's strength or might. The might of the Holy Spirit doing the things that Jesus did. You know, we... We love the presence of God. I love the presence of God. I love, but what? Have we diminished the power of God? It says, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we've boiled down very often, especially in the Pentecostal church, it said you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will speak in tongues. And it's been, you're baptised in the Holy Spirit and you're expected to speak in tongues. What about the power mm. of God that comes upon us to change this world, yes. to even do miracles? That's the expectation. That's what the disciples did. They spoke, spoke in tongues, yes. They preached with power 3,000 were converted, they went out and, and like Jesus did, healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the leper. When was the last time we did any of those things? And all those things are available for us. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. What if you could say to somebody, as that, I don't know, somebody at work, some, some friend, and the Lord just opens up an area of their life to you where you just know something about them that's causing a blockage in their lives. And you can just say to them, I've just, I've just seen that this happened to you when you, were, when you were little and this is how you've reacted ever since. And that word of knowledge can just break open somebody's life mm. and it can change a situation because... And, you know, very often they will say to you, how do you know about this? How have you, you know, have you looked me up on the internet or whatever <laughs> to find out? And, you know, it's just something that's come from the Holy Spirit. Um, am I all right for time? Because, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not in this at all. Anyway, in the, in the New Testament, then the Holy Spirit explodes. <laughs> and it starts... It's, if an explosion can start slowly, it starts with, with John, the, the forerunner of Jesus. And it said, he will be great. 
He will be distinguished in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or liquor and he will be filled with and empowered to act by the Holy Spirit <coughs> while still in his mother's womb. And this is, this is John the Baptist. And we see that while he's still in the womb, this is the, the story of what happens when Elizabeth, that's Mary's, um, John's mom, her Mary's greeting, that's the mother of, of Jesus, comes. Her baby leaps in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. So right from, right from birth, the Holy Spirit fills John the Baptist and then Jesus comes straight after that, full of the Holy Spirit. And he performed his miracles, Jesus performed his miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by his own divine power. He was, he was fully human and he was fully divine. He was 100% human and 100% divine. Work that one out. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's like, it's not that is. We, we sing the song that he, he laid his glory by and then he takes up a human life. And that's not really it. It's, he's 100% human and 100% divine at the same time, walking on earth. But the miracles that he did, everything that he did, was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he needed Holy Spirit to have communion with God. He needed, even though he was God while he was on earth, he needed the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate with God, to know the Father's will and to operate out of this power, to enable him to speak the words the Father had given him to speak. He needed to know that and he did that by spending inordinate amounts of time in prayer on mountain tops in deserts and by the power of the Holy Spirit. He only did what he saw the, the, the Father doing. So he had to have this ability to see in the Spirit what the Father was doing. And he wants us to have that same ability to see in the Spirit what the Holy Spirit is doing. And we need to pray as Jesus prayed, pray in the Spirit, to do the things that Jesus did by the presence of the Holy Spirit and live the way he did by the power of that Holy Spirit living in him. It was the Holy Spirit that acted in Mary's body so that she could bring about Jesus. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in his baptism and remained. It was the Holy Spirit that drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I think, I think I'm going to leave that there. We haven't got... We haven't got very far, um, but that's okay. We'll let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. And can we pray? Okay.